Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I am your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. As always, go check out our free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. It's a great study guide, great review if you're out in practice. Uh, simply an email is going to get you access to that, so kind of a no-brainer to, to go get that at reallifepharmacology.com. The drug of the day today is going to be clindamycin. Uh, I'm kind of surprised, honestly. I haven't done this one yet, but uh, I appreciate the uh, podcast listener that reached out and said, hey, cover this uh, antibiotic. So uh, that's what we're going to do. Brand name of this medication is Cleosin, and this is classified as a lincosamide antibiotic. I know there's a temptation uh, for those of you who are maybe new to pharmacology uh, to lump clindamycin in with the macrolide antibiotics, but it is not. So again, the macrolides like clarithromycin, erythromycin, they are different uh, from clindamycin for sure. So um, mechanistically, how does this drug work? Uh, It binds to the 50S ribosomal subunit. Uh, which ultimately blocks uh, bacterial protein synthesis. And if bacteria can't uh, produce proteins and continue to function normally, obviously uh, that's going to lead to uh, bacteria's death. Uh, Indications. So there are a ton of potential indications for clindamycin. Um, It definitely has some significant gram-positive coverage, and it also has some anaerobic bacterial coverage as well. So in the specific indications, um, what I have probably seen in practice most is uh, skin and soft tissue infections. So cellulitis, things of that nature. Uh, again, staph and strep, both gram-positive bacteria, are often fairly common um, with uh, that type of infection or a, a, a normal causative Uh, organism there. Uh, Other indications I have seen, uh, osteomyelitis, uh, pneumonia, maybe diabetic foot ulcers if we've got the uh, correct bacteria that's causing that infection. Uh, Some other things you may see, bacterial vaginosis, toxic shock syndrome, sinus infections or bacterial sinus infections I should say. Uh, and then uniquely, there's some uh, kind of wackier infections too that aren't crazy common. Um, anthrax, malaria, uh, animal uh, like dog cat bite wound prophylaxis you may see uh, this medication used for as well. So again, a ton of potential um, indications for the use of clindamycin. Um, anaerobic um, gram positive coverage is kind of a good thing. Uh, to remember if you're taking uh, pharmacology exams and things of that nature. Uh, One last thing I did want to mention is um, it typically covers MRSA. So that's a potential benefit. And uh, with the dosage forms that it has, it is a potential oral option uh, for MRSA. Now, there are definitely downsides (laughs) to using clindamycin, and, and I'll get into those a little bit. Um, but one of the those downsides uh, is frequent dosing. So, um, you know, three times a day, four times a day dosing, 
uh, probably for like minor infections, you're going to see, you know, 300 milligrams three times a day, um, maybe 450, three or four times a day, depending upon severity. Uh, those are going to be more, you know, outpatient, um, milder type infections where it's probably not a life-threatening situation or at least at, at the earlier stages of, of the infection there. Uh the other big thing ties us into um, adverse drug reactions. So um, there is a boxed warning for severe colitis with clindamycin. And this is probably the major reason uh, why you don't see it used very often. So it's uh, of all the antibiotics, it's probably one of the highest risk antibiotics for causing or contributing to uh, C. diff infection. So that's an infection that causes uh, some diarrhea and, and GI problems. Uh, that's a boxed warning. Definitely a good one that has shown up uh, for me throughout pharmacology courses, final exams, board exams, um, that C. diff risk is associated with clindamycin. Uh, other adverse effects, uh, naturally it is an antibiotic, so, you know, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, um, you know, rash, anaphylaxic risk, you know, obviously that's a, probably a little bit lower risk. Uh, but I will say uh, th something that I've seen show up on, on board exams as well, um, HLA-B5101, uh, so patients of uh, Han Chinese descent are at higher risk for those rash and skin type uh, reactions there. Uh, other rare things that have been reported, uh, kidney injury, hepatic issues, uh, not something that I have definitely seen on any type of regular basis in clinical practice. Again, big thing, um, think about that colitis C. diff risk for sure. Uh, adding on to that C. diff risk, there's going to be risk factors in certain patients um, and maybe might hold you back from using clindamycin even more so. So elderly, um, immunocompromised, I mean, you can probably guess a lot of these, um, live within, you know, a communal or healthcare institution. So, you know, nursing home, things like that. Uh, if patients have had uh, GI surgical history. Uh, that may predispose them uh, to this risk and, and make using clindamycin riskier. And then, of course, uh, I do want to mention medications. So proton pulp inhibitors, PPIs like omeprazole, uh, there has been shown uh, to be a higher risk of C. diff when we use these type of medications. And then chemotherapy um, can increase the risk for uh, C. diff as well there. In relation to GI adverse effects, uh, clindamycin orally can also cause some esophageal irritation. So it's really, really important uh, that you take clindamycin with a full glass of water. So definitely a really important patient education point there uh, to prevent any issues or at least reduce the chance of any issues with that. Uh, Pharmacokinetic-wise, uh, Half-Life, I think... Um, you know, I've talked about this before. Usually the more frequent you have to dose a medication, uh, the shorter the half-life. And this is certainly true with clindamycin. The half-life is in the neighborhood of two to three hours. And 
we need to dose this medication usually three or four times a day uh, to uh, get adequate concentrations because they uh, decrease quickly because of that pretty short half-life. Another thing that may come up um, if you're converting uh, IV to PO, uh, just a little nugget, the uh, oral absorption is typically very good. So um, 90% is the approximate uh, absorption of um, oral administration of clindamycin. So fairly, fairly close to 100% there. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for any pharmacist board certification study material, go check out meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. We've got a growing list of resources there for the pharmacotherapy exam, BCACP, geriatrics, BCMTMS, uh, the NAPLEX exam as well. Uh, we've had candidates take these exams using our study materials uh, over the last you know, five to seven years. Um, got a pretty good track record going there. Uh, just have heard back from recent candidates uh, who've taken their exams and got their results, and um, certainly many of them have, have passed their uh, difficult uh, board exam. So again, go check that out, support the sponsor, uh, and get some great content as well at meded101.com store. All right, wrapping up with drug interactions. Uh, first and foremost, there are CYP3A4 interactions. So uh, inhibitors, uh, some of the azole antifungals, um, verapamil, diltiazem, uh, grapefruit juice, uh, some of the macrolides like clarithromycin, uh, these can all increase the concentration of clindamycin, and obviously that's going to uh, potentially increase the risk for adverse effects and you know risk for C. diff and uh, things of that nature. Uh, inducers on the flip side are going to lower concentrations, and we may run into the risk of treatment failure. Uh, examples of CYP3A4 inducers, uh, St. John's wort, uh, carbamazepine, rifampin. So again, these can all lower concentrations of clindamycin. Uh, and lastly, with uh, drug interactions, I definitely wanted to mention uh, PPIs. Uh, it's definitely something I have asked for um, reducing or at least trying to uh, you know, minimize the dose in patients who have had C. diff. So if we've got a PPI on board and we're using clindamycin, uh, keep in mind that that increases that risk for C. diff infection. So definitely pay attention to that. That is something um, that I've definitely recommended periodically throughout my career, uh, particularly in patients who've had recurrent C. diff infections. Um, pay attention to the PPIs and um, potentially look for alternatives uh, to clindamycin in that type of situation. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. If you enjoyed this episode, found it helpful, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, Reach out to me, mededucation101 at gmail.com. I do my best to respond to every single email I get. Sometimes it takes me a couple days just uh, for me to get caught up and that type of thing, but um, absolutely don't hesitate uh, to contact me there. With that said, uh, I'm going to sign off for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.